0: Back to In The queue film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host Andrew. And how refreshing it is to see a film uh, about a homosexual relationship that is not fraught with peril and terrible things happening. And it's just a beautiful story about love. It's I mean, it was just, it's it was, for me at least, very refreshing. Well, yeah, I think you're
1: probably the only one who thought that it was a beautiful experience out of all the people who have praised it No, for being just that. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, does, does sarcasm not read over Skype? <laughs> I was going to say, you're being facetious, right? Yeah, well, oh, no doubt. Uh, this is Phil, your other co-host. And I'm looking forward to this discussion, not just because I like the movie a lot, but also because this listener requested this film yes. about 10 months ago, yes, <laughs> uh, long before the film was ever released. I was
0: wondering how long, I knew it was a long time. I didn't realize it was quite that long. That's impressive. That listener, of course, is Rankin, who is joining us again on the show. Uh, welcome back, Rankin.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: We are very yeah. happy to have you on here, and especially happy to have somebody on who is so anxious to talk about a film that they requested it well before its theatrical release um and we'll we'll talk about exactly why you requested it and when you requested it, what the timing was and all that kind of stuff in a moment but before we do i'm going to get the boring stuff out of the way uh the film today i should say is call me by your name uh which today the uh academy award nominations just came out and it got several um Mm -hmm. So we can talk a little bit about that too. But first I want to tell you how you can find us on the web. You can find us by going to our website, www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. There you can find everything posted um, in the same way that you might find on our Facebook page, which you can get to by searching Facebook for In the Q, Q Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, and there you will uh, find those same postings. And mm-hmm. uh, in both forums, you can leave suggestions, much like Rankin did for this episode today, to come on and talk about a particular film. And, uh, and it, it, uh, we encourage you to do so, because it can be Indeed. a film that you're very excited about, as in this case. It can be a film that you have seen and you love, a film that you've seen and you hate, a film that you are confused by or curious about, any of the above are good reasons to come on the show, and we love having you. So um, so please, please do so. You can also engage us in conversation by going to Twitter and searching for at ITQ Podcast. That's our Twitter handle. Or uh, you can subscribe to our podcast by going to any of your friendly neighborhood podcast aggregators like iTunes or uh, Podcast or Overcast or any, any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find them. Uh, search for In the Q, Q U E U E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. Subscribe, leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like the show, give us a positive review. Then we can get out to, to more ears, more listeners, and everybody would benefit, I think. So, before we get into the discussion, today's film is Call Me By Your Name. Professor Perlman. Thank you so much. Sir. You? I'm very confident. I can show you around. That'd be great. Thank you.
1: So what do you do around here? Read books, transcribe music, swim at the river, go out at night. Sounds fun. All right, later. Just watch. This is how we'll say goodbye to us when the time comes. Later. (laughs)
2: <laughs> meanwhile we'll have to put up with him for six long weeks oh, <laughs>
0: like a
2: muscles are firm not a straight body in these statues they're all curved sometimes impossibly curved and so nonchalant hence their ageless ambiguity as if they're daring you to desire them
0: all oh, to see without my eyes Is there anything you don't know?
1: You only knew how little I know about the things that matter. What things that matter? You know what things. Are you saying what I think you're saying? Shouldn't have said anything. Just pretend you never did.
0: A little Sufjan Stevens track there on the soundtrack. Yeah, I was pleased to see that uh, he was he was Oscar nominated for yeah that song "Mystery of Love." Right? Yes, indeed. He certainly was. Uh, it's a great little song too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rankin, the film is "Call Me by Your Name." It just so happens that this is also uh, a new release. We've been sort of tearing through all of the the big releases, the ones that were likely to get. Oscar nominations, and I think every film that we've done in the last little bit uh, has gotten uh, an Oscar nomination at the very least. Yeah. Um, But Rankin, long before there was any talk of this getting Oscar nominations, you requested this film. Tell us a little bit about why and, uh, and why you wanted to talk about it on the show.
2: Sure. I... I think it came to my attention right after it was at Sundance last year
0: mm-hmm.
2: so it would have been January of 2017 yeah and uh, I don't know I guess uh, gay movies show up on my radar maybe more strongly than they do for other people so I was like oh there's someone's making one of these that's cool it'll probably be fine right <laughs> uh,
1: so you, you just you just heard about it before anyone else did right because it was it was out there and it was it was on your radar
2: yeah i mean i think um like gay twitter's been talking about it for a year so like <laughs> other people knew about it before it came sure. uh, to the general public's uh, knowledge but and it i watched all the clips of people talking about it and i was like oh it's based on a book that's interesting so it probably has some sort of a good story at least yeah. you know mm-hmm. that it's based on And then every little bit of information that I get, I was like, oh, this sounds like something I might like. And then the obsession grew to the point where uh, one of my best friends was talking about going to see it. And they were like, yeah, we can't ever remember the name of that movie. So we just call it that movie that looks like it would be a movie Rankin likes. (laughs) Okay. It's like, that, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> so you actually, I, I had thought that you had read the book beforehand, and that's why you were, that's why the movie was really on your radar. But sounds it like, sounds like you heard about the film and then read the book and then saw the movie? Yeah,
2: I didn't read the book until November because I thought that it was going to be coming out in November, but they mm. did a very slow release. Yeah. And uh, it didn't get here until this past week. Well. And it's a smaller town, so I understand that. But uh, it, it rolled out slowly. I thought.
1: Well, you yeah. know where I am. Uh, it's not a not really a small town. I mean, I'm right next to Sacramento, and Sacramento, I don't think it is ever going to get it. Wow. So it's one of those just limited release films that I think people you know understand. Are they have a lot of Oscar cachet, so they come out near the end of the year, and then not everybody gets a chance to see them in theaters. Do you
0: feel like it might? get a wider release now that it's been nominated? Well, perhaps, because that does
1: happen to nominated films. But, hey, maybe the subject matter is still considered to be too controversial for a straight-up wide release. Very possible.
2: Yeah, I was surprised, because it was only supposed to come to our more, like, art house-type movie theater. Mm -hmm. And we actually got it at the regular, you know, multiplex that shows Star Wars and Paddington. And so I was surprised by that, but happy.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's been playing here for forever. In fact, when I went to go see it this past week, uh, I had – last night, in fact, um, I had to – it had already gone down to only like three theaters in the New York area that were immediately accessible. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can go see it. Um, But that's – I mean that happens a lot of times because New York, everything comes out earlier and then sort of – lingers, especially movies like this kind of linger. It was in the the Paris theaters, which is right next to the Plaza Hotel. It's like this one-screen theater with a balcony set in the front row of the balcony. It was great. It was great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of my favorite movie-going things is to sit in the front row of a balcony in a theater that has a balcony. It can't be beat. Um, Anyway, uh, I digress a bit. Uh, (laughs) For those who don't know what the film is about, um, it concerns... A young man by the name of Elio, who is vacation. He's an uh, American youth who has a very cultured family. Uh, the Patriarch is played by Michael Stuhlbarg. And um the uh the mother is played by Amira Kassar, is that correct? I believe it is. Anyway, um the they have, they have come into at some point I think it's mentioned that they inherited a villa in Italy, and mm-hmm. uh they spend their summers there, and Elio spends his summers there, and there's kind of a routine to it. it seems like a very idyllic life one in yeah which man. they have the opportunity to uh, <laughs> just lounge around and spend their their time in the sun and in the the streams and the lakes around and uh play can, music and there's like a there's an orchard read. on the there's property
1: and orchard on the property like bicycle wherever they want to go and he speaks multiple languages
0: yeah it's it's quite uh it's quite the idyllic life and um uh, but there is a routine to it you know and and uh and he is playing a seventeen year old young man um and every year uh his parents are academics, and every year they have someone come out uh his father is is sort of a archaeologist slash art historian it seems and uh and goes on uh goes to get glorious works of art for they dredge for statues that have uh, sunk in old shipwrecks et cetera et cetera and uh and so his parents are academics, and uh, they have a uh, a student, a grad student, come out and spend time with them every summer. And this particular summer, a young man by the name of Oliver, played by Army Hammer, Hammer, uh, comes out to stay with them. And young Elio and Oliver uh, develop a relationship over time. Uh, that is at first unspoken, sort of looks and flirtations and then develops into a much more serious relationship, but as, you know, um, it, you know, as as any of these sort of summer romance movies goes, uh, well, I won't talk too much about sorry, <laughs> yeah. Well, this it. Yeah, well, just cut it off there. Um, but yeah, uh, I will start off by saying that I love this film. I thought it was very excellent. Uh, it's <laughs> sort of Piggybacking on my original, uh, my my opening statement, I guess, uh, the sort of matter-of-factness of this film and the development of their relationship and how uh, very tender and uh, very natural, naturally, it develops is really something to behold. And I think that it, it probably starts with the writing, which is Film is written by James Ivory of Merchant and Ivory, um, who, and it's based off of this book, um, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, anytime a, a film is based off of a book, that usually means it's got a pretty solid structure to it, um, and this film does. I think that the the depiction of this relationship was uh, at once exhilarating and heartbreaking, and just wonderful and not just this relationship not the, the central relationship between the two but the relationship with all of the family members the relationship with the young ladies in town who are trying to woo the, the italian ladies or french ladies i guess this is a, a place where a lot of people come to uh sort of cross cultures um and yeah it's i mean it is really a it's a an actor's film, it's a character film, it's a very focused kind of um, character study, and I really loved it. But we can get more into that as we Sure, as yeah. We talk.
1: I think that, uh, yeah, it is those things. And I was kind of saddened that the director, Luca Guadagnino... Guadagnino, yeah. Guadagnino. I, I'm a little uh, disappointed that he's not getting more notices for his spectacular storytelling. Yeah. Um, because there isn't really anything particularly dazzling about his technique as a director, but he just makes every single shot and scene and performance just extremely pleasurable to watch and listen to. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, it's like, you really, it's people talk about how sensuous this movie is and it is extremely sensual. Yeah. And like, you can feel the sun, you know, you can yeah, you kind of feel the water uh, when they go swimming and it's, it's all extremely romantic and uh, of course, that's a very good thing to have in a romantic film, you know, where <laughs> there's a romance at the heart of the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it wouldn't work if there's was like Dunkirk or something, but, you know, but for a love story, you know, you want to have that kind of seductive quality where you just kind of get, you swoon at everything. And so while, you know, he didn't even get a Golden Globe nom or an Oscar nom for best directing, I think that he deserves a lot of credit for orchestrating the just all of the events of the film as sure. well as James Ivory does too but then also especially Timothy Chalamet and Armie Hammer yes who are utterly convincing and um i've seen just about all the nominated films for for the acting performances this year uh with the exception of Roman Israel Esquire <laughs> Roman J. Israel Esquire yeah <laughs> But uh, but I really think that Timothy Chalamet delivered my favorite uh, best actor performance of oh, the wow. year. Wow! I think he he's you know he had such a naturalness and uh, and just kind of this charisma and talent that he was he was it's like a star making turn mm. uh, for him in this in this film. Sure. So uh, I also I love the film overall like you did Andrew. I think it's definitely definitely a really incredible movie and and i would recommend it to 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 anyone
0: i recommend it to my parents yeah for sure rankin having now seen the film Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts how did you feel about it did it live up to the intense hype that seemed to surround it
2: i would say no but my obsession with it was to a point that it couldn't possibly have lived (laughs) up to my expectations sure it's a really good movie Mm -hmm. that has parts of it that i think are amazing and that but there are also parts of it that i didn't love and so it's you know it's not a i wouldn't call it a perfect film
0: yeah should we talk about
1: those things in more detail Sure. Yeah, because
0: uh, I'd like to know because I I agree to some extent. There's some elements of the film that I'm I'm a little bit less enthusiastic about, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm very curious to hear what those parts are for you.
2: Uh, like big picture things, I do think that it's a happier film as far as like an LGBT story goes. Sure. But then oftentimes I think people are overplaying that a little bit mm. because like I don't want to spoil the movie, but I, I mean it's not. It's not super happy. Well, <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> if you if you put it up against you know a straight romance film, it's you know yeah. it's kind of a downer in a lot of ways. Beautiful and heartbreaking, but it's not happy. And I would recommend the one that after I've been thinking about it, I'd recommend people see the film before reading the book, which is
0: mm.
2: I feel like an unusual way to go. Sure, because I just felt like I knew too much. The book is entirely in Elio's head. So oh, I yeah. just I felt like without that distance I just I knew too much, you know, and Damn. it was the book you're you're put in Elio's position of falling in love with Oliver and the film felt more almost voyeuristic yeah. where you're sort of removed and I like I don't want to spoil the end of the film, but the last scene definitely Uh, cemented that for me which it felt sort of like the director was saying oh you've been watching us this whole time and uh, what are the other things oh and I do think because I know all the behind the scenes stuff about this movie which I usually don't that (laughs) even though Luca has not given getting enough awards credit for his directing he will tell you that he co-wrote this film and I absolutely believe him In every interview that he's given, he said he and James Ivory sat down at his kitchen table and wrote this film. It's actually the third iteration of the script, the one that was shot. And uh, James Ivory took him to arbitration with the Writers Guild to have his name removed from the script.
1: Why? Yikes.
2: Yes. So I think he should get some credit for writing, whether he's allowed it or not, because the script is beautiful.
1: And oh, spare
2: and minimalist in a wonderful way.
1: What a bummer, you know that is for people I who know. want to join the film industry someday and just realize that it's uh, yeah. like a fucking babble. Yeah, <laughs> that
0: that. But uh,
2: I mean, James oh, Ivory man. sort of got screwed out of directing it because he was
0: going to direct it,
2: and then Luca could do it for less money, oh, so they no. let him direct it. So everybody. Uh, so there was
0: yeah a bit of a, you know. a bit of a spat, a tit for tat kind of a thing. Oh, and that's the a, like that's a film a
2: things that were like tiny things to me that I just found really jarring and wish mm-hmm. were cut out of the film was there were two really hard cuts that yeah. seemed to come out of nowhere. I was going to talk about and those, there, too. There was a montage of some sort of like Instagram iMovie filter yeah. that I guess was supposed to be a memory or something. that I, I thought that was
1: like a a dream sequence, right?
2: I was I thought it was painful, whatever it was. Well,
1: I felt I I, I I like it was just like two, an interlude. I have very, two very specific criticisms, too. And they're really, there are two things that are like very kind of pointed and could have been changed pretty easily. And one of them was there's a, there's a pivotal moment near the, near the end of the film where Suftian Stevens' lyrics are up front on the soundtrack and yet they have absolutely no bearing on what we're seeing. Yeah. Like he keeps saying, is it a video like over and over again, <laughs> over like a scene that does not even fit what he's singing about at all. Yeah. That took me out of the film. And also contrary to your remarks, Andrew, about the, uh, the female girlfriends being well represented. I thought that Elia's quote unquote girlfriend in the film should have been developed a lot more to the point where she didn't just seem like an acquaintance but actually kind of like another companion for him another romantic companion and someone to maybe provide a a counterpoint to the relationship he was having with uh, Oliver I just thought her her role was
0: underdeveloped that leaves me with a question for someone who has actually read the book Rankin how Mm -hmm. prominently does she figure in the book is she kind of just a, a, a side piece so to speak during the summer Uh, in the book or or does she factor in at all or?
2: I think the film is a fair representation
0: of how much she's in the book.
2: Mm. Like she's there and, but he's, it's obvious that he's not in love with her. This is just something that he's doing for fun. The scene where he talks to his dad in front of army, you know, like I could have had sex with her last night. I feel like (laughs) it's very much in that tone in the book. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I, there are lots of other characters in the in the book that were more developed and stories that weren't told in the film. But I don't, yeah, that wasn't really one of them. Okay, <laughs> <laughs>
0: sounds Fair like about. it
1: was faithful to the source material then. Yeah, in that <laughs> instance, it it was. I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. I um, those jarring cuts. I there are a, a couple in there, Rankin, and and they really sort of weirded me out too like they were that's like what's going on (laughs) yeah really strange and and one of them and i don't remember exactly when this happened in the film but there was one that not only was a a a hard visual cut but the it was it was like music playing that just stopped suddenly when the cut happens Mm -hmm. can you describe these moments because i don't recall them i don't remember when that one happened i feel like it was like the one were,
2: that I think you're talking about yeah. is right before the scene where they go into the hotel when they're on the trip at the yes, end, yeah. and they go into the hotel for the first time because there's the music and the montage of them climbing the mountain by yeah. the waterfall, and there's mist, and mm-hmm. there, And then it's bam, and it's just, like, gone. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange.
0: And it, and it didn't seem to serve any kind of purpose, like, oh, this was... Our, our wonderful time out in nature with one another. And mm-hmm. now we're back at the hotel. Like it didn't seem, it just seemed to be like, okay, now we're in the hotel and we're doing this now, whether you like it
1: or not. Like, I think
0: the reason why you guys noticed that w- those cuts
1: and, and they stayed with you after seeing the film might also point to the fact that this movie does have kind of a, a spell casting quality for the most part. I think it really does kind of mesmerize after a while. Um, and well, so something like that could probably kind of break the illusion.
0: Yeah, I think in in the tradition of these kind of lush, uh, you know, European-type films about uh, wealthy and cultured people who are living the high life in, you know, beautiful surroundings. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of films like this out there, right? Um, you know, not least of which is a former, uh, a film that uh, Luca Guadagnino made before this called "I Am Love" that we talked about on our podcast before mm-hmm. it was this podcast, I believe, Phil, um, or was it on One this of podcast? Them. Might have been uh, on our previous iteration. <coughs> I think. It, I think it was. Um, and I remember when we talked about that film, I, I I complained a lot about how sensuous it was, but it sort of exi- existed at a remove kind of in the way that you're describing this rank and that Mm -hmm. kind of like holding you a little bit at arm's length and kind of letting you be kind of a voyeur, an observer, but not really trying to emotionally involve you as much. Um, This film I got a lot more emotionally involved in. I think that a lot of that has to do with the performances. I think, again, a lot of that has to do with the writing. Um, And... I don't know, I th- I feel like these like lush epics, you're right, I mean, epics is, is maybe not the right word, but these lush films, Phil, they kind of envelop you in the feel of the environment. So if there are strange cuts or uh, non-diegetic music that doesn't make sense or anything like that, it can really kind of take you out of this kind of cocoon of existence that you're in during the film. Yeah, and interesting how that
1: happens sometimes and others it doesn't, depending on the film. You know, sometimes, like, say, for example, this just came to my head, say you're watching a Martin Scorsese movie and uh, there's a jarring continuity error that, you know, something just does not match up from one shot to the next. And yet, you know, the movie itself is kind of working on different levels so that, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, for some people, it'll, it'll matter. Sure. But uh, for the most part, there's, there's something else at work that kind of keeps you going from shot to shot, um, which is not to say that Call Me By Your Name is, is a shallow film, but I think it really is about kind of um, maybe more about the, the surface in some ways. Mm. It's kind of more about the way things look, the way things sound. Um, and it's, it's kind of about an infatuation that happens during one summer, you know, this is a very brief love story. So, uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to say this movie is like vapid or anything, but it's definitely kind of a seductive love story. And it's really just kind of about their love and, and, and the love for this lifestyle that they were both living that summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a fair way to put it. Um, I do think, like I, I really enjoyed not just Timothy Chalamet's performance in this, but Army Hammers, who I think is sort of been criminally relegated to the kind of fringe of Hollywood stardom. Uh, I've really mm-hmm. liked him in almost everything that I've seen him in, with maybe the exception of the, the Lone Ranger. Um, <laughs> which was, you
2: have to read the BuzzFeed article: the ten years of trying to make Army Hammer happen. Oh, no. it is beautiful oh. it's a very detailed of just like they've tried they've been trying to make this guy a movie star for a decade yeah and am gonna just post won't that. Take, that's going you know. on our
0: facebook feed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well it's it, it reminds me a little bit about um uh taylor what's his name taylor the guy who was in john carter and uh taylor kitsch taylor kitsch yeah yeah, he's he was in uh True Detective season 2 and yep. All kinds of stuff and they've he's they've been trying to make him happen forever and it's just not quite happened. Um now in that case I think that I've never seen a performance that I thought was particularly good by him, but in uh Army Hammer's case I've seen a lot of good performances. I think he just has a quality that uh is very kind of mannered and a little bit aloof uh and I think it it probably turns some people off. But, Does he remind you guys of John Ham at all? A little bit.
2: You know, there's something something going on. Rich boy quality to them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Handsome, handsome rich boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a certain kind how of like dare you make a, me feel
2: emotions for you. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's got a certain kind of like
1: uh I don't know, incredulity. Like like when he's talking to to Timothy Chalamet in the film and he's like, You are saying what I think you're saying? Like yeah. there's a certain kind of yeah john hamminess going on there that i i'm not the only person who picked up on this sure i read an
0: article oh wow very nice um yeah it's kind of a it's it's like a it's one of those those qualities that is is kind of uh makes a person a performer where you feel like uh it's it's the same person every time but you like like the quality of that personality versus an actor who like disappears into different roles.
1: Um
0: yeah. I mean I mean I've talked about that on the on the podcast before, but um I think the last thing I saw him in was Free Fire. Yeah, and he was he was different in that. He was different in that. He was great with what he had to do. It was that was just kind of a mess of a movie. Yeah. Um Yeah, and of course, you know, think back to the social network and that first sort of breakout role as the Winklevoss twins. Pretty great. Pretty great. Not a bad way to start your career. Not a bad way to start your career. Uh, And you can
2: thank Army Hammer for how explicit this movie isn't. And people have been arguing over whether it's explicit, too explicit or not explicit enough. But the version of the script that uh, James Ivory wrote, which was the second version of the script, is a lot more explicit than what they ended up shooting because Army Hammer wasn't comfortable with the amount of nudity that they were going to put in the film. So
0: Luca wanted
2: him, and so they said, fine, we'll make it until you're comfortable, and so they did.
1: Well, I think that's, I mean, coming to somebody like myself who, you know, I thought it was just as explicit enough, I think it, it was it, plenty it,
2: explicit.
1: I mean, it's mm. I, it, you mm. might say what they were probably thinking is that you know we want this to appeal to as many people as possible, so so maybe cutting down some of the explicitness of the of the original story, I can I can understand stand and get behind that. Oh,
2: I think they went the the right way. I think it was you know, it's a, it's a movie, you know, a rated <laughs> R movie, so it should be. I thought it was plenty explicit, and it's not about that anyway it's about you know it's yeah. more sensual
0: than sexual it really mm-hmm. is i mean the 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 sexual elements within the film are actually pretty minimal when it comes down to it um it's really more about the feeling the emotions the the uh kind of longing <laughs> i mean that 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 is really what is the most palpable thing in this film um and I'll also say on the subject of the the performances, I think that Michael Stuhlbarg, who incidentally is in three of the best <laughs> picture a third nominees, of the best picture nominations, yeah.
2: which is
1: unreal. Um, so it's a Shape of Water, this one, and The Post, and Post, yeah, yeah. Um, we
2: should just sit up on stage for the whole Oscars. I just know in
0: case. he's like 2017's. Domhnall Gleeson. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Um, but he is, he's so, of those three performances, I think this is the best. And the monologue that he delivers towards the end of the film, which I won't talk about the content of because I think that it would spoil much of the film. Uh, it, 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 it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it just I, brought it all home. It, it was really an incredible display of acting. On his part and on Timothy Chalamet's part, but, uh, it's really, uh, I mean, if, if, if one of my friends was very upset, said that it was criminal, that Michael Stuhlbarg wasn't nominated a supporting actor for one of those three films. And, uh, and I said that that, that moment alone in this film should have probably locked it up for him, but it's a tough category. Another There's a lot of good performances.
2: That's another reason to watch the movie before you read the book so that you'll cry in a movie theater. And not listening to an audio book on the treadmill at the gym.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you'll 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 be in good company crying rather than uh, standing there in a, in a situation where everybody's like, "What's wrong with that guy?"
1: And hey, my tears are sweating.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think that uh, I think it's deserving of, of a lot of the nominations that it, I think it got four nominations. If I'm not mistaken, um, and Timothy
1: James Ivory, the film, and, and the score, this, the music by the, the music by Sufjan, yeah, yeah this, the song specifically,
0: yeah, um, and I think that it, it's good, but I think it's it's probably going to get lost in the the shuffle of these other films that have come out. Um, I, I'm not sure that it'll win any of these, uh, except maybe song. Although I think no, I don't know I what, gonna, what's what's the competition really. Uh Remember Me from Coco. Oh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kinda that's I was like, this doesn't have any competition. Oh yeah. Remember me from Coco. Yeah, I mean, lyrically as- though. Lyrically yeah. well,
1: Remember the- Me, I mean it's I think once you separate it from the film, I think it doesn't stand up as well. Once Maybe. you remove Pixar's uh <laughs> breathtaking animation, you know, it's just like a a, a song with like four
0: lines of text Well I guess then the question becomes do they give that award to this film because they know it's not going to win anything else or do they just overlook
1: the film I think the song deserves to win on its own merits not just as like a sympathy vote It's a good song I think it's a great it's a beautiful song musically lyrically I think it's it's
0: it stands up really well I
1: mean I've got it in my Spotify playlist
0: Yeah Yeah somebody uh said uh don't you dare give Sufiana." an Oscar until he delivers 48 more albums about States.
1: Dude, that guy,
0: like he he cracks me up. Like, yeah, he announces he's going to
1: make 50 albums, but one about each state he does two of them and then decides he's going to quit. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) come on.
2: Those were the good States
1: moving on. (laughs) That's right. Right. Yeah. We only
0: care about Illinois and Michigan, right? That's all. Well, to be fair, Illinois was a pretty great album. I mean, it, it, He probably said, well, that's as good as this is going to get. Let's move on to other music. Yeah. I do
2: wish there had been more of his music in the film. Mm. I just thought the moments that had it were like emotional in a way that the trailer is emotional Yeah, for me that I just, and maybe it wouldn't be as powerful if there was more of them, but I just thought those moments were, and you get just a little piece of a song. There's a moment where he's in the hallway of the house and they start playing one of the Sufjan Stevens songs and it's just for like 15 seconds. And then it just sort of goes away. Yeah. And I was like, something magical is going (laughs) to happen. It's like, I don't know.
1: gets me. Yeah. And it's kind of, it seems kind of like a, the use of, of original music that was more popular, like in decades past, you know, where it's almost like, it's not that one person did the score. It's like, Featuring two original songs by Swiftian Stevens, yeah, you know, it's like they were showcasing these just these two songs. Yeah, but I think that they fit in with a lot of the other uh, kind of um, music that's not really originally composed, like that piano piece that's in the trailer. Um, yeah, I looked that up too. That's really pretty, and I think it, had, even though it wasn't written for the film, I think it does complement the John Stevens songs in terms of like the mood that it creates.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Um, I think the music... In- I think
2: it's all piano music except for his two songs, which he called and asked him. Uh, Luca called Sufjan Stevens and was like, could you write us some music? I'm, like not expecting him to do it, and he was like, sure, there's some songs.
0: <laughs> That's nice. That's very nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, that would be awesome to call up Sufjan and have him write a song for your movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did they, did they know each other beforehand, or was it just a cold call?
2: Well, I don't think so. I think he liked him and was like, oh, this would be the right tone for this. And he asked for one song, I think, that he was going to use. I feel like he was going to use it on the credits, but I can't remember. And Supion was like, okay, here's two songs, and here's a rework of one of his older songs that they wow. use in the
0: film. So. That's great. Ooh. That's great.
2: Because they piped it into his... I'm trying not to spoiler, but the Sons of Gideon song, which is the other original song, mm-hmm. they had both of the songs while they were filming. He delivered them like halfway through filming and they put an earpiece in Timothy Chalamet's ear. And so he mm-hmm. listens to that song while they're filming the last scene of the movie. And oh. so like calibrates his performance to the song.
0: Oh, that's really cool. That's really nice. Mm. Yeah, it had me
1: thinking about, like, totally unrelated meta connections, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, oh, when this film comes out on video, like, are people going to be downloading it? Are people going to be torrenting it? It's a metaphor! out of the ending of the movie, like, it's just, like, <laughs> it's a beautiful moment, and then all of a sudden you start hearing this voice saying, is it a video? <laughs> like, no, oh, it's a film, I'm trying to watch a film! <laughs> Man,
2: it's, anyway. I, I find I'm that amazing that that. Looking that, at his blouse, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, that registered so much for you, Phil, and it literally didn't register for me at all. Like, did you uh, hear the words that he was singing? Yeah, sure, but it, they like kind of just like <laughs> passed through me. I, I was just like, oh, that's a, it's a nice song. I was, was, I was not, like not riveted. Video. <laughs> I was riveted by yeah. what was happening on screen. What can I say <laughs> um, so yeah i my uh final word on it is that I think it's a very good film uh with a few sort of jarring flaws in it that are are uh easily overlooked um good performances uh by uh many very good actors and um <laughs> the f- the first time that I've seen a film that felt like this in quite a while uh, that has this kind of um, sort of cocoon that I was describing earlier of kind of the atmosphere and the environment and also the the emotions. I, I think it was a beautiful uh, love story told very simply,
1: uh,
0: mm. and, and that I appreciated a lot. Phil, what, what yeah. was your final word?
1: I, I love the movie, and I think it's a great – romantic film for for these times and when you talk about how you haven't felt this way for a, for a movie for a while i think it's because this movie is really in earnest the whole mm. time mm-hmm. there's nothing kind of uh, clever or or self-effacing or ironic about it uh it's just the kind of love story that we haven't really seen before and so i think it's it's sincere and that moves people yeah. So I think that regardless yeah. of, of your orientation, I think as long as you're open-minded enough to think that a relationship between two men that is sexual can be beautiful, then I think you really ought
0: to, you would really like this film. So I think it's definitely, definitely one of the best of the year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Rankin, you have the final, final word. Oh
2: my goodness. <laughs> uh, I know, I, so much pressure. I right? really enjoyed this film a lot. I highly recommend seeing the movie and then reading the book Mm because the book is beautiful and will just expand your understanding of the movie. It'll explain what the different color swimsuits mean. If that's a fun Easter egg, you can look forward to. Oh, wow. And yeah. And wow. The performances are great. It's the music is beautiful. It's visually stunning. If you can see it in a theater, I recommend it just for the visual experience Mm -hmm. And uh, just as a fun parting, Louis Peitzman, who you should be following on Twitter if you're not, because he's hilarious. He's the theater reviewer for BuzzFeed. Mm, he yeah. met, uh, who we call Timothy Chalamet, at the Critics' Choice Awards, and asked him how to pronounce his name, and he pronounces it Timote Chalamet.
0: Oh, <laughs> so no. really, that's oh a, no, it's
2: a fun little yeah.
0: Timote,
2: every- Timote, yeah, it's his father's French, I think. So, well, but everyone who seems to know him calls him Timmy. So well, that's all what you like, <laughs> Oscar, Oscar winner, Timote. just, so, I think
1: I just want. Uh... John Travolta to introduce Timothée <laughs> Chalamet, Al
0: Gadot at the next yes. telecast. The next yeah. Oh, that would be beautiful. Gar Blobdas. <laughs> Adele just <laughs> in. It's so it's still funny, um, <laughs> after all these years. Yeah, that concludes our podcast on "Call Me by Your Name." We hope that you will join us for our next podcast. When we will be talking about yet another multiple Oscar nominated film, I, Tanya*, which has been seemingly gaining a lot of momentum in a couple of key categories. So uh, that should be a very interesting conversation and we hope that you will join us. See you then.